enlightened. Welcome to Theo Thinks. This is a podcast that does deep dives into a variety of topics to encourage, enlighten, and activate your mind. Um, this week's episode is my first supporter requested topic. It came from I am Guzzy Bowen on Twitter, who presented me with some PDFs from the CDC website that list the substances other than the active ingredients in vaccines. And I thank him very much for listening and providing today's topic of discussion. Uh, We wait with significant anticipation for a COVID-19 vaccine as it's the only clear path out of the pandemic and return to normalcy. However, because this virus itself and the subsequent response to it here in the United States has been turned into a political weapon by the Trump administration, who has himself promoted hearsay and misinformation around COVID-19 infection and treatment even after having caught the illness himself. There has been much criticism around the president's push to have a vaccine ready before the election, a goal that was ultimately doomed to fail because it was never realistic and was guided by a process that is rightfully beyond the president's control. All the same, the president's desire to see a vaccine rushed through the process and the potential health risks that a half-baked vaccine could bring have generated considerable apprehension around the COVID-19 vaccine, as well as a renewed apprehension around vaccines in general. I believe that the best way to address the unknown is to make it known by seeking out real information to combat the disinformation and fear. It is important that we seek information to inform our perspective and not seek information to support our narrative. According to the World Health Organization and the CDC, vaccination is one of the most effective ways to prevent diseases. A vaccine typically contains an agent that resembles a disease-causing microorganism and is often made from weakened or dead forms of the pathogen, its toxins, or its surface proteins. The agent stimulates the body's immune system to recognize it as a threat, destroy it, and to further recognize and destroy any of the microorganisms associated with that agent that it may encounter in the future. Think of vaccines as a care package that's delivered to your immune system that gives it the tools and instruction 
on how to defeat a disease when it's encountered. Vaccines are used in two ways. To prevent infection, which is called a prophylactic, and as a therapeutic to fight a disease that has already occurred in the body. According to the Medical News Today website, the active ingredient in a vaccine is usually made from the viral or bacterial pathogen itself. In either case, the pathogen is either alive or inactivated. Vaccines that incorporate living bacteria or viruses are called live attenuated vaccines. The pathogen is weakened to prevent it from causing disease, but it is still able to elicit a strong immune response. Live attenuated vaccines are not suitable for everyone. If a person is immunocompromised, they may contract the the disease they're trying to get vaccinated against. Although most attenuated vaccines are viral, some are also bacterial. Examples of viral vaccines are yellow fever, measles, mumps, and rubella. Typhoid is a bacterial vaccine. Some vaccines contain an inactivated pathogen, previously virulent microorganisms that have been destroyed with chemicals, heat, or radiation. Examples include polio, hepatitis A, rabies, and most flu vaccines. There are several other ways vaccines are cultivated, and they are as follows. Number one, toxoid. Toxoid vaccines are made from inactivated toxic compounds that cause illness rather than the microorganism to stimulate an immune response. Examples include tetanus and diphtheria. Number two, subunit. Rather than introduce an inactivated or attenuated microorganism to an immune system, a subunit vaccine uses a fragment of it to create an immune response. Examples of a subunit vaccine include hepatitis B and plague immunization. Number three, conjugate. Certain bacteria have polysaccharide outer coats that are poorly immunogenic. By connecting these outer coats with proteins, our immune system can be tricked into recognizing the polysaccharide as if it were a protein antigen and trigger an immune response. Number four, heterotypic, also known as heterologous or genarian vaccines. These are vaccines that utilize pathogens from animals that either do not cause disease or cause mild disease in the organism being treated. The pioneering example of this being cowpox used to vaccinate against smallpox. There are a number of innovative vaccines being developed, including the COVID-19 vaccine, which is a RNA vaccine, which is a, a new process that is being utilized to create this vaccine. This is a type of vaccine that is composed of nucleic acid RNA and packaged within lipid nanoparticles. Now, let's talk about the preservatives in vaccines, uh, which is often a 
a somewhat controversial topic, particularly among those that are uh, against vaccinations or commonly called anti-vaxxers. Vaccines contain preservatives to prevent contamination with bacteria or fungi. Until recently, the preservative thiomersol was used in many vaccines that did not contain live viruses. It has also been used as a preservative in skin test antigens, ophthalmic and nasal products, and tattoo inks. Thimersol's primary purpose is an antiseptic and antifungal agent. It prevents serious adverse effects such as staphylococcus infections. In a 1928 incident, 12 of 21 children died from staph infections caused by diphtheria vaccines that didn't have thiomersol in it. Thiomersol does not reduce vaccine potency. In spite of the scientific consensus from organizations such as the CDC, the World Health Organization, and the Institute of Medicine that thiomersol is safe, its use was called into question by anti-vaccination groups. Such groups focused on thiomersol's low level, low levels of trace mercury as an unsubstantiated cause of autism. In response to these fears, it was phased out from routine childhood vaccines in the United States, Canada, and the European Union. At this time, the number of vaccines scheduled during childhood was increasing, and there was a public perception that autism was increasing. And many parents saw the removal of thalmersol as confirmation that it was causing autism. This public perception conflicted with the scientific consensus, most notably from the CDC and the American Academy of Pediatrics, that there is no evidence supporting these claims and the rate of autism continues to increase despite elimination of thalmersol from routine childhood vaccinations. This unsubstantiated fear promoted by anti-vaxxers has led to some considerable consequences. Parents attempting to treat their autistic children with unproven and potentially dangerous treatments, uh, discouraging others from vaccinating themselves and their children, and diverting resources away from research to investigate the cause of autism. And so, as you can see, disinformation and anti-intellectualism have very real and harmful consequences. Other ingredients in vaccines include aluminum salts to help boost the body's response to the vaccine, sugars or, and or gelatin to keep the vaccine effective after manufacture, egg protein to grow enough of the virus or bacteria to make the vaccine, formaldehyde to kill viruses or inactive toxins during manufacturing, and it's worth noting that formaldehyde is an element on the periodic table and resides in our bodies naturally. There is much more formaldehyde in your body than in a vaccine. 
So don't be scared off by formaldehyde being in vaccines. Neomycin is an antibiotic used to prevent contamination by bacteria during the manufacturing process. Antibiotics that people are most likely to be allergic to, such as penicillin, are not used in vaccines. There is much apprehension around vaccines. I believe that much of it can be tied to our government's history of using germ warfare and experimentation on unwilling and unknowing participants to be the, to, excuse me, to be the source of distrust. For example, Native Americans were given blankets tainted with smallpox by colonists as a means of genocide. The Tuskegee syphilis study was an experiment conducted by the U.S. government on approximately 400 black men to study the effects of syphilis. The men were never given the option to participate in the study, nor were they told it was an experiment. The Stateville Penitentiary Malaria Study was conducted in the 1940s by the U.S. government. It involved over 400 prisoners who were intentionally infected with malaria. Operation Sea Spray was an experiment conducted by the U.S. Army where biological agents were deployed on the citizens of the San Francisco Bay Area to understand how a biological attack would impact a coastal city. By the end of the operation, six different warfare tests had been performed without citizens' consent. Willowbrook experiments were conducted from 1956 to 1970 and involved mentally handicapped children being experimented on without consent to investigate hepatitis treatments. Operation Midnight Climax was an experiment carried out by the CIA in the 1950s to study the effects of LSD on unconsenting individuals. Prostitutes on the CIA payroll were instructed to lure clients back to safe houses where they were dosed and studied. The measles vaccine experiment was conducted from 1990 to 1991 by the Centers for for Disease Control, the CDC. Doctors wanted to know if they could use the measles vaccine to replace natural antibodies in babies. The drug was experimental and had not been verified by the FDA and tested in third world countries. The vaccine led to several immune problems in the babies and even death. Knowing the drug was dangerous, the CDC still tested on black and Hispanic babies in Los Angeles, injecting more than 1,500 babies in the U.S. with the dangerous drug. Navy sponsored beef blood transfusions in 1942, plutonium testing on terminally ill patients in the 1940s, mustard gas testing on soldiers by the government during World War II. It's very striking to me that many of these incidents took advantage of racial and socioeconomic disparities and took advantage of these groups in a very dehumanizing and sinister manner. I mention these events not to discourage or to affirm any apprehension around vaccinations, but to explain why such apprehension exists. Fear and distrust of the government is certainly justified as history confirms. Our government has a lousy history when it comes to abuse and deceit, which is why it's so important to arm yourself 
with information from reliable sources to educate your perspective and not to support your own narrative. Within medicine, few technologies have had more impact than vaccines. Vaccines are entirely responsible for the eradication of smallpox, one of the deadliest diseases to afflict human beings. Each year, they prevent more than 3 million deaths worldwide from diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis, and measles, to name a few. Vaccines such as those for HPV and hepatitis B have extended those preventative benefits for young and mature adults, and a new generation of vaccines that harness the body's immune system to treat disease rather than prevent it are on the horizon. So please don't fear science and get you and your family vaccinated, good buddy, so that you can take care of yourself, so that you can take care of someone else. I hope that you found today's episode to be informative and I want you to be very encouraged to always seek clarity and to seek viable, real information. Um, please feel free to follow me on Instagram at Theo underscore thanks. And you can also find me on Twitter at Theo So Chill. Thank you for listening. And please look after yourself and each other.